Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You know I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social Index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis, and they have a look-back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the Social Index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. For all of us, it's about predicting where the consumer is going and getting half of it right. One of the things we want to do is create ads that don't suck. Embracing change creates great possibility. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Today on the show, I've got John Moorhead. He's the Chief Marketing Officer for 7th Generation. We talk about today, 7th Generation, what it is, how it operates as part of the Unilever portfolio of companies. We talk about the brand refresh, the visual identity that's been refreshed recently, as well as the future of green products and what makes it so hard to convince customers to buy them, how convenience plays a huge role in that, and a lot more. I hope you enjoy this conversation with John Moorhead. John, welcome to the show. Thank you, Alan. It's great to be here. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to the conversation. A lot to talk about. But before we get too far down this path, this is a marketing show. And how did you find your way to marketing? Yeah, that's, that's a, it's one of my favorite questions. First, a little about me. And in three words, family, sports, and the outdoors, I can go down a, an exciting rabbit hole in each of those topics. And I think they'll be relevant later today. But that's really key. And my first part of my career was actually as a financial analyst. And I spent ultimately almost seven years in that, about three or four years into that. I had spent a lot of time, my brother was a, was at P&G as, as a marketer. 
But I thought, you know, marketing, schmarketing, I was like, that's for the birds. You know, this just doesn't make any sense to me. And at that time, I was deep into the outdoors. And and so just playing outside as much as possible. And I was reading Outside Magazine one day, and there was an ad from from a waste management company called Veolia. And the ad across the top of the page said, don't throw it away. There is no away. It was a showstopper for me. It was complete, like, oh my God. It was a paradigm shift. I was like, wait, when I throw it in the garbage, it doesn't actually disappear. It just goes into a big bag somewhere in the land. And that was my first sort of moment of like, wow, maybe marketing can be helpful because that was educational and I learned something. And I I found that to be just really, really important. And and then uh, and then and then some books on how nature and the environment are being really impacted significantly by by how business operates and what those two things need to change. And marketing became a real path for that. Or how am I going to change the way people think about the outdoors? And I was like, oh, okay, all right. So maybe marketing isn't so bad. And that began began the journey, began my journey. And and, and the irony now, I, I both like marketing and bird. So it's a uh, so it's it's been quite a path. Yeah. Well, I mean, so from reluctant marketer. <laughs> yeah, that's right. To that's right. chief marketing officer for seventh generation, villa in the middle. <laughs> that's great. Yes. Yeah, so, so after the 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 financial analyst around the, the the that part of my time, I. Um, which I loved. I loved the analytical rigor. I loved the competitiveness and the variety, but I wasn't the builder. I mentioned earlier the sports piece. I, I love playing on teams and the ability to put the right people in the right place and, and really dive in on a strategy or where where things need to change uh, was a big piece of that. And so that middle part of the book and the ad, the natural capitalism really brought me brought me to a whole different frame on business and ultimately graduate school a failed startup, and then an introduction to the CEO of 7th Gen. And a funny story there is actually the introduction came from my brother, who is a better version of me, uh, and also a sensational CMO. And uh, and he introduced me to the to the new CEO of 7th Gen, and, and that's where it all began. And I uh, I started at the very bottom as an as an analyst who really uh, so so marketing analyst uh, working on our integrated marketing team, and I really knew nothing. And it was a great chance for me to apply the analytical pieces of what business needed to help the call it the the environmental space and environmental space needed to be credible to the to the investing community and so it was a great great place for me to put the passion and the analytics together and uh, from there it just began so I, I started as an ABM and from that time on integrated into a category role where you really become the CEO of a product. And I didn't really know what that meant until I was in it. And uh, there's no better expert than you on that category. And how well do you really know your business and the consumer? And that was a, that was such an empowering place to start, right? So nobody is going to know the consumer better than you are. And so all those ties back to, you know, don't throw it away. There is no way that emotional connection with consumers that has to start with your understanding of both the business and the category and the mind frame and everything that comes from that. And so from uh, the integrated marketing role to a category role to then one of the co-founders of our e-commerce business where we are really a, uh, a center of excellence for Unilever today, which is really exciting. And then into a lot of innovation with category role across a lot of businesses. And now and now uh, CMO having the communications pieces and the categories and the innovation uh, all together. Yeah, well, I mean, I love it. And, and what an amazing find, if you will, to find seventh generation to merge your your two passions, right? The, uh, the environment, capitalism, and and marketing. That's unusual to find it right away. You know, like sometimes we go on a path and it takes us a while to find find it. So, man, you should thank your brother every day. <laughs> yeah, 
I do. I do. I, uh, he watched me be tortured, uh, for, with a failed startup for almost eight, eight months. And, uh, and eventually, and eventually it, it worked out, but yeah, it was a, you, you definitely have your growing pains, but I, I think at that point it's funny. I didn't, I wasn't planning to go to graduate school. I didn't. I, and I said, I was going to do it if I really had something I wanted to do that was very specific. Uh, graduate school is a bit of an excuse to change careers and that's what I needed to do. And so, yeah, it's really real, but you're right. He's uh, two more head brothers as CMOs. It's it's pretty uh, pretty entertaining. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Tell listeners a little bit more about Seventh Generation. And um, you mentioned Unilever, and I guess over the over the last number of years, um, I can't remember exactly when that happened, but Unilever purchased Seventh Generation. So tell us a little bit more about the company and, and how it operates as part of Unilever overall. Yeah, so Seventh Generation makes healthy home and personal care products, and uh, the the real focus uh, with the acquisition of Unilever um, is on our home care business. And so now it's it's a about five years pre for me and five years post, and it's been it's been really exciting. Unilever's scale and their expertise across the various functions for a business. Has has opened my eyes to to the level of detail that you know I thought a marketer couldn't have, and so that has been uh, incredible. And we operate today uh, still as a semi-autonomous uh, business here in Burlington, Vermont. So we have various parts of sales that are integrated with the Unilever team. So we have we have all over the country still our, our sales teams, and then we have uh, manufacturing that's tied to Unilever and and our three PMs, our third party manufacturers. And then we're still headquartered here in Burlington. And so it's been a really nice balance of, of what's great for Unilever. And then also, you know, pursuing what's really important to seventh generation. Unilever wants us to absolutely be the best version of what we can and, and, and doubling and tripling down on our, on our mission has been uh, essential to their goals. And so that has been uh, really key. And I think the most exciting piece is that now we've been able to influence the way that the home care business, global home care business is going to operate for the foreseeable future. The strategy at this point is to really bring all of the aspects of sustainability into the home care space because cleaning is just kind of gross. And so re- reorienting that around solving consumer problems you know, with a, with a cleaner, lower profile solution is really important. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you, seventh generation must be like a signature business for Unilever, especially as they pursue all things purpose, right. And and making sure that each, each business in the portfolio has, has a purpose of sorts. Um, and it's more about multiple of stakeholders, not just making money, uh, although that's gotta be there. Um, so uh, kudos, I mean, that's, it's a big job. It's exciting. You know, the, the, uh, the reference is really like you, you want to be a lighthouse brand and they want that for us. So that's a, that's a high standard. And Allison, you know, Rittenauer, who's the CEO and, and myself and the, all the people who are here are here to do that. You know, holding ourselves to a bar that goes beyond performance and cost is, is really, really hard. And, and that's what makes it special. As I was doing my research and we were talking before, uh, you know, you've refreshed the brand's visual identity. And um, it's not something we talk about all, all the time on the show. But so like when I get the opportunity, I love to geek out a little bit on it. <laughs> um, so tell me about like how did how did that come about and, and what was the strategy behind it? 
Yeah, so so this is, I think, a pretty common and and really cool thing for brands that have existed for a long time. They need to constantly refresh how they show up to consumers, and that's the beautiful thing of the competitive nature for capitalism. You know, you just gotta stay relevant. And so, a, a brand that's been here for more than thirty four years now needs needs to do that. And the last one. Uh, that that Joey led as a CMO was in 2012, and it was really time to bring our our core asset, which is the leaf, into uh, a much more modern look and feel. And and so, the uh, the es- essence of what we're trying to chase down is is that modern and much more powerful view of the leaf, because so much of of this category is driven around performance. And so, being able to tie tie those two aspects together and then bring the portfolio together was a daunting challenge. The woman who led it inside here, her name is Tomlin Biondo. She did a tremendous job of guiding our external agency who we worked a lot with, DesignBridge out of London, and they do a ton with Unilever and they were they were tremendous as well. So it was a, uh, a really a labor of love and it takes a long time to do. Uh, oh my goodness. If you think changing a package takes like three weeks or something, it's more like two years. And so, yeah, so that was exciting to see come to life for everyone here and to really represent represent what we want for this business and know to be true for, for all the things it stands for. So it was a really neat way to work on the visual identity. Yeah. Well, and I, to your point around it taking a long time, I don't think people on the outside of companies always recognize that. And especially if you're in a manufacturing business or making things like you guys are it takes a long time to like because you don't want to be wasteful right you get all this packaging so it's like when do you when do you do the cutover right uh so that you, you you're i guess cognizant of of not wasting the material that you already have printed for packaging and things like that so yeah, it's true. It's true. And, and, and because we've been in so many categories, those refreshes have happened at different times across different categories. And that's actually made it, you know, even tougher. And so, so making sure you do that, you know, all in, all in the right sequence and tied to your resets um, with your retailers is a significant undertaking and no small feat and lots of, lots of teamwork and the hope for no surprises, but knowing there will be along the way is certainly is certainly a very real thing. So we had lots of support from lots of teams internally, externally, and it's it's really exciting to see it come to life. Yeah. Well and I, I really like the focus on, you know, a distinctive asset, if you will, to use a Byron Sharp word, uh, of the leaf and uh, and bringing that forward even more. It also is a nice symbolism to uh, to your purpose and what you're trying to do in the world as well. It's really true. Yeah, this would be the first version of, of a redesign for us that we hope that you can remove the leaf and that we start to build some other some other design elements that really become ownable. And and so it's fully 3D omni-channel design. So the leaf and all of what is the molecular structure can tie seamlessly between what we do in a store or digitally online. And that's such a significant change from where refreshes and brand design used to be. And so we've really, we've really put that forward into a, how that's going to show up everywhere. And, and uh, the, the danger and the beauty of being in my seat is that it's never perfect. And, you know, we're, we're already figuring out what to 2.0 this looks like. So I'm just as eager to make sure that happens as I am to see it successfully out in the, out in the wild today. 
Let's talk about the green products in the future. How, what do you see? Where are green products going? Yeah, it's a really it's a it's a it's a great question. It's it's really going to need to be a marriage of 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 technology and science, and and those two pieces. The more that they can merge together to make impactful outcomes for consumers that leave no trace, you know, the more the more successful this will become. I I can't tell you how daunting that challenge is. You know, we've we've designed an aisle for consumers that's got big jugs of plastic and lots of water in them and the prices are low and that combination is incredible. And how you design out of lots of water and lots of plastic and still get the consumer to feel as though they're getting the quality and the value they deserve is a big hurdle. Uh, and so that's why the technology pieces and the science pieces need to need to make sure that they're uh, that they're driving the changes. And so I I know that's going to be a critical piece to it. I can get it a little more into the products too, but well, yeah. I mean, so like maybe use an example of of one of the products just to bring that to life, if you don't mind. Like, how how is the technology and the science coming together to help at shelf, if you will? Concentration in laundry has is not a new idea. Uh, what is a new idea is making it really consumer relevant. So we've 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 designed uh, using technology a way for the consumer to have a dosing feature. So it's a very easy flip the bottle, one squeeze, and you're done. And it's completely revolutionizing how consumers think about liquid laundry because it's a big, big, big business and a big jug of plastic and water. And so to redesign how you think about that is hard. It's a big behavior change. But but by making it ultra convenient and making it a wowing experience, if that's possible in laundry, has really has really made an exciting con- product for consumers to repeat with. And that's really going to be the trick. How do we make sustainability where you take a lot of the plastic, a lot of the water, a lot of the weight and tonnage and carbon profile of the product out? And that's really been essential. And so that's going to be a, a game changer for us. And I I'd be remiss to say that that's the only thing. You know, we work really hard in our advocacy business, advocacy part of our business that's really separated from the products intentionally to try, try to change the way the energy grid works so that our consumers, you know, will be running their dryers and their washing machines on solar power and on alternative energy because ultimately most of the carbon profile for our consumers is with the is with the washing machine and the dryer and not with the product. So it's really going to be this one two punch of us making sure that we're delivering low or no or or be, or better products and then making sure we have the fantastic energy grid that supports consumers being able to to get the chores done that they want to get done without without the challenges that come to to leaving behind a, a real mess. Well, I really like the easy dose example in particular because I mean, there's a ton of uh, I didn't know there was a word for it. Compaction <laughs> that's going on in various ways, in various elements of products that are out in the marketplace. But a lot of them uh, require an extra step, right? Like, like you have to remix detergent or something of that nature. And to your point about like this makes it easy. It actually makes being green more accessible to more people. I think by making it easy. And I, I just curious, like how you think about marketing's challenge to address kind of like that product need to deliver a more sustainable, eco-friendly product. Since a lot of consumers 
frankly don't care at shelf. <laughs> it's a, it's gotta be a huge challenge, but things like easy dose make, make a lot of sense in how you're doing that. Yes, it, completely. It's a, uh, so I, uh, I developed that when I was in the, in my, my e-com role actually just around that central thesis of, of convenience and, and convenience is, is like this insatiable benefit for consumers and it's incredibly emotional. And so making sustainability as convenient as humanly possible or delivering value right? So convenience in this case is one value. There are others. It could be lower cost. It could be less shelf space. It could be, you know, um, easier to move around with. So there's other versions of, of the way convenience or value come to life for a consumer. But, but when we want to make those types of behavior changes that you're describing, there has to be some other element that comes with it of, of what's in it for me. Now that's a, that's a, that's a big deal. You're exactly right. Well, and it, I mean, it, it's not something specific to, to seventh generation. I think it's any consumer product that's trying to do something new and different, right? Or bring bring more sustainable practices to a specific category. You know, finding this bridge, if you will, between how consumers behave today and an easy port to how we want them to behave in the future to help the planet. It's a needle to really thread, if you will use a, a bunch of analogy. And it's so category dependent too. It's fascinating. Like, so these are really low involvement categories versus, you know, something you would do a lot of research on, or if you're buying a car, right. You know, uh, and, and, and I think that that part, that hurdle, right. Everything about the design of the cleaning space was not sustainable. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There was nothing about it. It was purely functional and or retailer management, right? You know, how, how do I control the shelf space? That becomes this other piece of this big hurdle, right? Because you have so many other components. You have a buyer's interests. You have other manufacturers you have how the shape of the shelf is going to change for the for the grocery retailer and then you have companies that have really tried to circumvent that really locked system you know digitally and so it's an ever evolving ever changing place for for disruption of that basic idea inside this low involvement category i have one more question and i want to talk about sustainability in broader sense and, and the role of business in that but you mentioned earlier in the conversation uh you know leading with e-commerce inside of unilever and i want to double click on that if you don't mind like tell me a little bit more about like how does that what does that look like and um because bridging channels from traditional retail to e-commerce or subscription-based type businesses is, is something that a lot of companies are trying to figure out. I'm curious how you guys are cracking that. 
Yeah, great. So, so a, a couple of pieces here that are are, are really important. We have a, a an educated, bright, and time starved consumer base, and so they are constantly looking for ways to get their chores and their activities done with intent, but also at pace. And so, the intent part is the educated, right choices for my family component. The pace piece is. You know, in many cases, there's two two working household members, or simply trying to juggle in a retail environment that's gone from you know nine to five to twenty four seven, and that has changed the way everybody thinks about their chores and their engagements and expectations. And so, living into that for how we deliver for that consumer became a, a central thesis for how we're going to solve what's happening digitally. And then the second piece is that we're pretty small. And so our penetration is not very high. And that retailer piece that I mentioned, that locked locked shelf, is really hard to get on the shelf. And, and, and with what we can do digitally, that's like a national shelf overnight. And so that became the second piece of, 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 of the strategic component of what happened. In, and this is 2015 when we started this right at the end of 2015. And those two pieces became very obvious, but shipping a big jug of laundry detergent that weighs 10 pounds and only costs six, that doesn't work. (laughs) Economics really don't make sense. Yeah, no, no. And doing that wisely and figuring out the right configurations and the right categories, you know, in, in order to do it. And then beyond that first step of the configurations and the right categories, designing innovation for channel, what, what we call value density is really, really critical. And so that that became the journey, designing for the channel and then making sure that we understood how it operated. And in our case, really a concentrated focus team, the CEO and CMO at the time, um, along with the head of sales, all came together and really put together a, uh, a small squad or a, a team that was really focused on on trying to tackle this all the way from the bottom up because it's even harder. You can't see consumer reaction. They don't know what fragrance is. They can't pick up the bottle. They can't look at it from behind. You know, how do you figure that out? All the design that CBG thinks about was flipped upside down, and so we figured out how to how to do that pretty quickly, and it was more than half of our growth for a very long time now. And then, and certainly right into the pandemic, it set us up for, for great success. Yeah. Nice timing uh, from, uh, from getting the, getting it started uh, for sure. And uh, kudos on the growth. That's amazing. Yeah. It's been, I, I don't know. It's, it's a uh, stay close to your consumers. I, you know, you, you have a, 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 a very talented audience that listens to your pieces and that that's not obvious. Uh, that's obvious to them, but, but it's, it's not obvious. And when you're in the operating components of it and, it's hard to take those risks sometimes, and, but but you got to you got to be there, and that was that was the central thesis that drove ultimately the investing structure, and 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 Unilever has been uh, super supportive of that. As a brand, seventh generation, that's kind of stuck in the it's in the thick of sustainability issues. Um, how do you think about the role of business, like broadly speaking, in areas like? sustainability and climate curious to get your perspective yeah so, so so this is this these are these are really sticky and important topics and I think that the central thesis you know for us is that business has to play an accelerator role in in the right places and where that's policy and where that's consumer we're pursuing both of those paths and the reason that we have to do that in both of those places is that it's the only way we speak from authority, right? So our, our product design and what we do from the bottom all the way through to how we communicate, that has to come if we're going to ask consumers to change or to join this journey. 
you know, that has to come from a place of both authenticity and authority. And, 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 uh, and otherwise it's just uh, talk. So that's been really critical for, for, for 7th Gen. So I think that the role that we play is, is the accelerator, you know, and sometimes that means, you know, we have hard conversations in the, in the most caring way possible, because that's the only way that we'll, we'll get to the other side of it, you know, ultimately with, with the changes that need to be, need to be made. And we have a, a good history of being able to get that done. That's sometimes handholding. That's sometimes, you know, rabble rousing. Sometimes that's uh, do, doing the two things together so that we make sure it comes out ultimately as a, as a thoughtful, supportive, you know, response. And what's amazing is that most of these things are all on behalf of consumers, right? Like when we're talking about transparency or we're talking about leaving it for future generations, the concept for believing in a seven generations, like it's way out there. But that's about today, right? Like, call me selfish. Like, I don't want to. I don't want to walk outside and see wasted space that was otherwise lush, you know, or you know, our ability to not take care of what really is not ours. And so, honoring all of those historical elements and future elements, that's what we're asking consumers and ultimately our, our partners and 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 government officials to to recognize. It's, it's about that conservation mentality and doing the thing that matters for both life uh, uh, as humans and, 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 and on earth. So it's, a, uh, it's lofty, but it's really personal and, and it really comes from a place of, of care. I really like the notion of business and your role in it, in this, these issues is to be that accelerator. And I think it's a great example of how business or capitalism can work on behalf of everyone, right? And and nothing moves faster than business. Like, you know, governments don't move fast, <laughs> politicians don't move fast, but if there's an opportunity to drive it with business, it will move very fast. <laughs> and I, I think that's a pretty interesting example. And I, I love the notion of the accelerator role because I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I, and I think I think the thing that's amazing is that, you know, the, the magic comes from from making sure the consumer do, does the, the work for you. Right. You, we need we need consumers out there who, who believe and are are willing to raise their voices. It's, it's actually amazing how close these outcomes are right. And like for, for consumers who need to feel like they have a voice and a role, it's there. We have a acute responsibility. But I would, I would even go further and say, that's the magic of marketing. Totally. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. This has been fun talking about business. One of the things we like to do is to switch gears and find out a little bit more about you. My favorite question to ask every guest that comes on is, has there been an experience of your past that defines or makes up who you are today? Thanks, Alan. I love that question. It, uh, it's amazing. There have been s- several defining moments. I think the one that has sent me on a big piece of the journey for the, my last, call it 15 years, as r- right before my wife and I got married, we were very seriously obviously talking about kids and families and generational components with our grandparents and the, all the aspects that come with family. And, and, uh, and I had been doing a bunch of reading tied to this environmental space about mercury at the time and this sort of grappling with the fact that if we wanted to have a baby that my wife wouldn't be able to have or eat tuna. And I was wrapping my head around the fact that that was a function of, of the amount of mercury that humans have put back into the water. And the world is two thirds water. And for, for us to have already at this point, you know, through an industrial revolution, put that much of a, of a, of a, of a super toxin back into the waterways 
you know, sort of what have we done? And it became this massive generational idea and, and frankly, like a tremendous opportunity for change. And that, that really transformed and motivated a lot of what I wanted to have happen as I moved to the next phase of the career. I didn't, my career, I didn't know if I could solve mercury, but I, I had to figure out how it was going to be part of this problem and call it selfish, but I just, I love to be outside. You know, it's where, where I draw my energy. And, and, uh, and so that was, that was really pivotal. And it has been uh, amazing to have now two kids uh, grow up and, and, and be really energized by that idea of, of balancing what humans need, you know, with, with what we leave behind. And so, so that was a, uh, that'd be my, that'd be my answer. Oh, I love it. I love that story and, and what a powerful challenge. There's no other way to put it. And we have really screwed up some things in this world. <laughs> it's true, but it's also such, such the opportunity. Like I, I just, once we know we, we have to go there, right? Like this is not a finger wag. This is not a, you know, you screwed this up. This is okay. Let's learn and then make changes. And that's, that's the leadership moment. Yeah. It's a call to action. And I, I like that. If you were starting this journey all over again, what advice would you give your younger self? Go earlier. Do, do, do it all sooner. I, 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 whether it's cheesy or not, I, I guess you're afraid of the risks, but the, but the, the learnings through the mistakes and the reflection is what, is what has, has changed the way that I lead today. And that'd be my biggest advice. Like do it sooner, like get going, like don't be afraid of it. And I think the second, the second piece of that, if I had two, two pieces of advice is that chasing a passion is a hard thing to do. I don't know that that's the, that's the, that's the, the advice that I, I have uh, or will give my kids is say, what problem do you want to solve? And so I think those two pieces for that, if I'm asking myself, what problem do I want to solve? I might go work on different functional skills and tools to be able to go solve it. And so between those two things of not being afraid to try new stuff and tying that to a problem you want to solve, that'd be, that'd be the advice I'd give my earlier self. I like that twist too on, on uh, passion is towards problem solving. Um, Cause that's where the, I don't know, I, maybe, maybe we're alike in that regard. Like uh, the, the nature of problem solving is my passion. <laughs> like, uh, um, and, and, you know, it's uh, figuring it out and curiosity around it. It's self-reinforcing, if you will. Yeah, that's definitely the marketer in you, Alan. There's yeah. no there's no denying that. Today, I have to balance that. I get in trouble for that. If I spend too much trying to solve, it's like, John, oh, that's my job. Leave me alone. Right. Uh, please go away. <laughs> Very true. Very true. Is there a topic you think marketers need to be learning more about today or maybe something you're trying to learn more about yourself? I think that where marketers run into, call it the the brick wall of fear, is behavior change. And the more that we figure out how to tackle that in ways that don't feel overly daunting or scary expensive, which is, you know, how 710 has viewed it is, is, is really important. Easy Dose was our first real behavior change type of product. That's our role. You know, that's this company's role. And as marketers, that'd be, that'd be the first piece, you know, behavior change. And then if I, if I had a second, it would really be around the idea that we have to make stuff that's worth marketing. Because if we're just marketing because we like creative or we like to make a splash in media, you're not going to, 
you're not going to break through anymore. It just doesn't work, you know? And so coming from something that's really going to answer a problem that you have for a business or how that business is going to, is going to make an impact. I think that'd be, that'd be the second big piece. Like it's, it's gotta, it's gotta mean something. Two more questions for you. What are there any brands, companies or causes you follow or you think other people should take notice of? Yeah, I love, I love the question. The brands that are consistently reinventing themselves and have been around a long time. I find that like a fascinating, a fascinating journey. You know, the fact that Nike, you know, just can continue to reinvent itself as many times as it has is, is amazing. I certainly pay attention to Nike. I think that, you know, you you could say that pizza is, is, is relatively boring, but Domino's has made it a tech business. You know, I, I just, I think that's, that's, that's really neat. And then I think, you know, what Ben and Jerry's has done, you know, right. Our next door neighbors here is really remarkable from a, from a, how you have a brand that has a voice is really incredible that, and it's perfect because they, it's, it, people love to consume ice cream. You know, we, 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 uh, we, we, we laugh internally here is, is, it's very difficult. People don't love to, to, to go do their laundry. You know, if I could get people to like folding laundry, like to, as, as much as they like eating ice cream and talking about, you know, care, <laughs> uh, it, it would be, it would be a, uh, a little more fun, but that's, that's a, that's a fantastic set there. That'd be my three. I love it. I love it. And I, my wife and I laugh because every time we go get go get ice cream and we're outside of DC. So this is a total DC thing to think about when you go get ice cream is whether or not we're going to see Joe, uh, you know, the president at the, at the ice cream counter because <laughs> so, he, he loves his ice cream too. Yes, he does. That's awesome. Yeah. Anyway, well, last question for you. What do you think is the largest opportunity or threat facing marketers today impact it's really it's really about impact because the the better we get with the data science pieces the better that attribution you know becomes and that gets really hard and so figuring out like how you're going to spend for impact and that may not be a giant ad campaign across 12 platforms and that's that's really important and so i i underpinning underpinning that is this real power of search you know and so if we don't figure out how to market with impact beyond the performance marketing, so-called the brand building pieces, it's too easy for everything to become performance marketing and measurable. And so you you, you run into that, that pair. Along those lines, I think there is this, I don't know, I think even if I look at some of the born digital brands or businesses, the D2C folks in particular, it's funny to me as a marketer, as I look at like their progression, what they start in the digital channels because it's efficient, it's easy, easy is an understatement, but like it's efficient. And then as they get bigger and bigger and bigger, they naturally start looking like a traditional marketer. <laughs> you know, they're using out of home, they're really leveraging the power of PR and earned media as well jujitsu their way to greater awareness right and um i think to your point about impact we it's it's not always the thing that's measurable in the early sense but as data science improves hopefully we can rebalance the marketing mix equation a little bit and make sure we understand what truly works both in the short and the long term yeah i i we've sat smack in the middle of that and that combination between sort of the impact pieces I'm referring to and like how performance marketing is is being driven today is and it's it's not only search and the performance marketing pieces but it's so day to day that you're not you're just you're not building 
It's a very, very different piece. And I think the data is still early on on how to handle brand building in, in a world with complete fragmentation, like insane fragmentation in the media channels on top of the ability to need to break through. And so you're, you're just, you're, you're, you're stuck. You're stuck because then you go back to even more performance marketing and more of the ways that it's working for our It's It's how I got all the money for e-com, right? So now sitting in the seat that I do, but balancing those two worlds is really, really essential. And, and that we have to find those moments that, that, that matter. And, and that means that they have to be impactful. And so that'd be, that'd be the, that'd be my, my one, two on that. Well, John, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been enlightening to hear a little bit about your journey on the personal side, but also seventh generation, what you guys are doing at the at the company. Yeah. I love what you're doing, Al. Thank you for taking the time. And I hope it keeps going. These are amazing. <laughs> thank you. Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me with support from my team and podcast editors, sound engineers, and writers at Share Your Genius. Find them at shareyourgenius.com. If you're new to Marketing Today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe on marketingtodaypodcast.com and tell your friends and colleagues about the show. I love to hear from listeners. You can contact me on marketingtodaypodcast.com. There you will also find complete show notes, links to what was discussed in the episode today, and you can search our archives. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.